0: Chapter Thirty Nine of the Custom of the Country, by Edith Wharton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Undine did not fulfil her threat. The month of May saw her back in the rooms she had declared she would never set foot in, and after her long sojourn among the echoing vistas of Saint Desert, the exiguity of her Paris quarters seemed like cosiness. In the interval, many things had happened hubert permitted by his anxious relatives to anticipate the term of the family mourning had been showily and expensively united to his heiress the Hotel de chelles had been piped heated and illuminated in accordance with the bride's requirements and the young couple not content with these utilitarian changes had moved doors open windows torn down partitions and given over the great trophied and pilastered dining-room to a decorative painter with a new theory of the human anatomy undine had silently assisted at this spectacle and at the sight of the old marquise's abject acquiescence she had seen the duchesse de d'orzogne and the princess estradina go past her door to visit hubert's premiere and marvel at the american bathtubs and the Anamite bric-a-brac and she had been present with her husband at the banquet at which hubert had revealed to the astonished faubourg the prehistoric episodes depicted on his dining-room walls she had accepted all these necessities with the stoicism which the last months had developed in her for more and more as the days passed she felt herself in the grasp of circumstances stronger than any effort she could oppose to them the very absence of external pressure of any tactless assertion of authority on her husband's part intensified the sense of her helplessness he simply left it to her to infer that important as she might be to him in certain ways there were others in which she did not weigh a feather their outward relations had not changed since her outburst on the subject of hubert's marriage that incident had left her half ashamed half frightened at her behaviour and she had tried to atone for it by the indirect arts that were her nearest approach to acknowledging herself in the wrong raymond met her advances with a good grace and they lived through the rest of the winter on terms of apparent understanding when the spring approached it was he who suggested that since his mother had consented to hubert's marrying before the year of mourning was over there was really no reason why they should not go up to paris as usual and she was surprised at the readiness with which he prepared to accompany her a year earlier she would have regarded this as another proof of her power but now she drew her inferences less quickly raymond was as lovely to her as ever but more than once during their months in the country she had had a startled sense of not giving him all he expected of her she had admired him before their marriage as a model of social distinction during the honeymoon he had been the most ardent of lovers and with their settling down at saint-desert she had prepared to resign herself to the society of a country gentleman absorbed in sport and agriculture but raymond to her surprise had again developed a disturbing resemblance to his predecessor during the long winter afternoons after he had gone over his accounts with the bailiff or written his business letters he took to dabbling with a paint-box or picking out new scores at the piano after dinner when they went to the library he seemed to expect to read aloud to her from the reviews and papers he was always receiving and when he had discovered her inability to fix her attention he fell into the way of absorbing himself in one of the old brown books with which the room was lined at first he tried as ralph had done to tell her about what he was reading or what was happening in the world but her sense of inadequacy made her slip away to other subjects and little by little their talk died down to monosyllables was it possible that in spite of his books the evening seemed as long to raymond as to her and that he had suggested going back to paris because he was bored at saint-desert bored as she was herself she resented his not finding her company all-sufficient and was mortified by the discovery that there were regions of his life she could not enter but once back in paris she had less time for introspection and raymond less for books they resumed their dispersed and busy life and in spite of hubert's ostentatious vicinity of the perpetual lack of money and of parl's innocent encroachments on her freedom undine once more in her element ceased to brood upon her grievances she enjoyed going about with her husband whose presence at her side was distinctly ornamental he seemed to have grown suddenly younger and more animated and when she saw other women looking at him she remembered how distinguished he was it amused her to have him in her train and driving about with him to dinners and dances waiting for him on flower-decked landings or pushing at his side through blazing theatre lobbies answered to her inmost ideal of domestic intimacy he seemed disposed to allow her more liberty than before and it was only now and then that he let drop a brief reminder of the conditions on which it was accorded she was to keep certain people at a distance she was not to cheapen herself by being seen at vulgar restaurants and tea-rooms she was to join with him in fulfilling certain family obligations going to a good many dull dinners among the number but in other respects she was free to fill her days as she pleased not that it leaves me much time she admitted to madame de Trezac. what with going to see his mother every day and never missing one of his sister's jours and showing myself at the Hotel de dordogne whenever the duchess gives a pay-up party to the stuffy people lily Estradina won't be bothered with there are days when i never lay eyes on paul and barely have time to be waved and manicured but apart from that Raymond's really much nicer and less fussy than he was. Undine, as she grew older, had developed her mother's craving for a confidante, and Madame de Trezac had succeeded in that capacity to Mabel Lipscomb and Bertha Shalham. Less fussy? Madame de Trezac's long nose lengthened thoughtfully. Hmm. Are you sure that's a good sign? Undine stared and laughed. Oh, my dear, you're so quaint! why nobody's jealous any more no that's the worst of it madame de trezac pondered it's a thousand pities you haven't got a son yes i wish we had undine stood up impatient to end the conversation since she had learned that her continued childlessness was regarded by everyone about her as not only unfortunate but somehow vaguely derogatory to her she had genuinely begun to regret it and any allusion to the subject disturbed her especially madame de Trezac continued as hubert's wife oh if that's all they want it's a pity raymond didn't marry hubert's wife undine flung back and on the stairs she murmured to herself neddy has been talking to my mother-in-law but this explanation did not quiet her and that evening as she and raymond drove back together from a party she felt a sudden impulse to speak sitting close to him in the darkness of the carriage It ought to have been easy for her to find the needed word, but the barrier of his indifference hung between them, and street after street slipped by, and the spangled blackness of the river unrolled itself beneath their wheels, before she leaned over to touch his hand. "'What is it, my dear?' She had not yet found the word, and already his tone told her she was too late. A year ago, if she had slipped her hand in his, she would not have had that answer your mother blames me for our not having a child everybody thinks it's my fault he paused before answering and she sat watching his shadowy profile against the passing lamps my mother's ideas are old-fashioned and i don't know that it's anybody's business but yours and mine yes but here we are the broom was turning under the archway of the hotel and the light of hubert's tall windows fell across the dusky court raymond helped her out and they mounted to their door by the stairs which hubert had recarpeted in velvet with a marble nymph lurking in the azaleas on the landing in the antechamber raymond paused to take her cloak from her shoulders and his eyes rested on her with a faint smile of approval you never looked better your dress is extremely becoming good night my dear he said kissing her hand as he turned away undine kept this incident to herself her wounded pride made her shrink from confessing it even to madame de trezac she was sure raymond would come back ralph always had to the last during their remaining weeks in paris she reassured herself with the thought that once they were back at saint-desert she would easily regain her lost hold and when raymond suggested their leaving paris she acquiesced without a protest but at saint-desert she seemed no nearer to him than in paris he continued to treat her with unvarying amiability but he seemed wholly absorbed in the management of the estate in his books his sketching and his music he had begun to interest himself in politics and had been urged to stand for his department this necessitated frequent displacements trips to beaune or dijon and occasional absences in paris undine when he was away was not left alone for the dowager marquise had established herself at st desert for the summer and relays of brothers and sisters-in-law aunts cousins and ecclesiastical friends and connections succeeded each other under its capacious roof only hubert and his wife were absent they had taken a villa at deauville and in the morning papers undine followed the chronicle of hubert's polo scores and of the countess hubert's racing toilets the days crawled on with a benumbing sameness the old marquise and the other ladies of the party sat on the terrace with their needlework the cure or one of the visiting uncles read aloud the journal des débats and prognosticated dark things of the republic paul scoured the park and despoiled the kitchen garden with the other children of the family the inhabitants of the adjacent chateau drove over to call, and occasionally the ponderous pair were harnessed to a landau as lumbering as the brougham and the ladies of saint Desert measured the dusky kilometres between themselves and their neighbours. It was the first time that Undine had seriously paused to consider the conditions of her new life, and as the days passed she began to understand that so they would continue to succeed each other till the end. Every one about her took it for granted that as long as she lived she would spend ten months of every year at saint Desert and the remaining two at Paris of course if health required it she might go to les eaux with her husband but the old marquise was very doubtful as to the benefit of a course of waters and her uncle the duke and her cousin the canon shared her view in the case of young married women especially the unwholesome excitement of the modern watering-place was more than likely to do away with the possible benefit of the treatment as to travel had not raymond and his wife been to egypt and asia minor on their wedding journey Such reckless enterprise was unheard of in the annals of the house. Had they not spent days and days in the saddle, and slept in tents among the Arabs? Who could tell, indeed, whether these imprudences were not the cause of the disappointment which it had pleased heaven to inflict on the young couple? No one in the family had ever taken so long a wedding journey. One bride had gone to England—even that was considered extreme—and another, the artistic daughter, had spent a week in Venice. Which certainly showed that they were not behind the times and had no old-fashioned prejudices. Since wedding journeys were the fashion, they had taken them. But who had ever heard of travelling afterwards? What could be the possible object of leaving one's family, one's habits, one's friends? It was natural that the Americans, who had no homes, who were born and died in hotels, should have contracted nomadic habits, but the new Marquise de Chelles was no longer an American and she had saint-desert and the Hotel de chelles to live in as generations of ladies of her name had done before her thus undine beheld her future laid out for her not directly and in blunt words but obliquely and affably in the allusions the assumptions the insinuations of the amiable women among whom her days were spent their interminable conversations were carried on to the click of knitting needles and the rise and fall of industrious fingers above embroidery frames and as undine sat staring at the lustrous nails of her idle hands she felt that her inability to occupy them was regarded as one of the chief causes of her restlessness the innumerable rooms of saint-desert were furnished with the embroidered hangings and tapestry chairs produced by generations of diligent chatelaines and the untiring needles of the old marquise her daughters and dependents were still steadily increasing the provision it struck undine as curious that they should be willing to go on making chair-coverings and bed-curtains for a house that didn't really belong to them and that she had a right to pull about and rearrange as she chose but then that was only a part of their whole incomprehensible way of regarding themselves in spite of their acute personal and parochial absorptions as minor members of a powerful and indivisible whole the huge voracious fetish they called the family notwithstanding their very definite theories as to what americans were and were not they were evidently bewildered at finding no corresponding sense of solidarity in undine and little paul's rootlessness his lack of all local and linear ties made them for all the charm he exercised regard him with something of the shyness of pious christians toward an elfin child but though mother and child gave them a sense of insuperable strangeness It plainly never occurred to them that both would not be gradually subdued to the customs of Saint-Désert. Dynasties had fallen, institutions changed, manners and morals, alas, deplorably declined. But as far back as memory went, the ladies of the line of Shell had always sat at their needlework on the terrace of Saint-Désert, while the men of the house lamented the corruption of the government, and the curé ascribed the unhappy state of the country to the decline of religious feeling, and the rise in the cost of living it was inevitable that in the course of time the new marquise should come to understand the fundamental necessity of these things being as they were and meanwhile the forbearance of her husband's family exercised itself with the smiling discretion of their race through the long succession of uneventful days once in september this routine was broken in upon by the unannounced descent of a flock of motors bearing the princess estradina and a chosen band from one watering-place to another raymond was away at the time but family loyalty constrained the old marquise to welcome her kinswoman and the latter's friends and undine once more found herself immersed in the world from which her marriage had removed her the princess at first seemed totally to have forgotten their former intimacy and undine was made to feel that in a life so variously agitated the episode could hardly have left a trace but the night before her departure the incalculable lily with one of her sudden changes of humour drew her former friend into her bedroom and plunged into an exchange of confidences she naturally unfolded her own history first and it was so packed with incident that the courtyard clock had struck two before she turned her attention to undine my dear you're handsomer than ever only perhaps a shade too stout domestic bliss i suppose take care you need an emotion a drama you americans are really extraordinary you appear to live on change and excitement and then suddenly a man comes along and claps a ring on your finger and you never look through it to see what's going on outside aren't you ever the least bit bored why do i never see anything of you any more i suppose it's the fault of my venerable aunt she's never forgiven me for having a better time than her daughters how can i help it if i don't look like the cure's umbrella i dare say she owes you the same grudge but why do you let her coop you up here it's a thousand pities you haven't had a child They'd all treat you differently if you had. It was the same perpetually reiterated condolence, and Undine flushed with anger as she listened. Why indeed had she let herself be cooped up? She could not have answered the princess's question. She merely felt the impossibility of breaking through the mysterious web of traditions, conventions, prohibitions that enclosed her in their impenetrable network. But her vanity suggested the obvious pretext, and she murmured with a laugh, "'I didn't know Raymond was going to be so jealous.' "'The princess stared. "'Is it Raymond who keeps you shut up here? "'And what about his trip to Dijon? "'And what do you suppose he does with himself "'when he runs up to Paris? "'Politics?' "'She shrugged ironically. "'Politics don't occupy a man after midnight. "'Raymond jealous of you? "'Merci! "'My dear, it's what I always say "'when people talk to me about fast Americans.' You're the only innocent women left in the world! End of chapter thirty nine.